Have you ever just, have you ever just had enough? Like that store, it is convenient to get to from where I live. It carries the products or the brands or whatever that I prefer, but every time I go in there, the customer service is just terrible. Enough is enough, you might say. And so what do you do? You shop somewhere else, right? Or maybe there's a person in your life. Let's say they're on Facebook because it happens here a lot. Or maybe it's Instagram or whatever social media you prefer. And they post that negative thing. And then they pollute one of your posts with some negative thing. And finally, you see some over-the-top meme they share. And you finally maybe say, enough is enough. So what do you do? You block them, right? Or something like that. Life is full of these little trials, things you try to put up with. You hope it's going to, like, change on its own. It might even be one of your own habits or part of your own lifestyle. At some point, we look in the mirror or we read that one more post or we experience that frustration one more time and a switch just flips. Enough is enough and we change something. At the beginning of Mark's gospel, I think that might be where we find Jesus. Mark tells us, In those days Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. And after the Spirit descended on Jesus like a dove, and after the voice from heaven says, You are my Son, the Beloved, with you I am well pleased, the Spirit immediately drives Jesus out into the wilderness for 40 days. Tempted by Satan, he was with the wild beasts, and the angels waited on him. Now, there's a lot of studies and sermons I could do just on that wilderness experience that Jesus has. It's full of meaning. But just on the surface of things, like to state the obvious, this must have been quite a tough experience, right? At this point, the life of Jesus has been rolling along for something like three decades pretty unremarkably. So unremarkable, Mark doesn't really say anything about it. From Nazareth of Galilee tells us, Jesus is not some cosmopolitan, princely, privileged person. He's a guy from nowhere in particular, nowhere important, actually. But then this baptism happens where the Spirit descends on Jesus and the voice of the Lord claims this Jesus. And then this wilderness thing happens. Lots starts to be going on for Jesus. The monotony of whatever life maybe was is for certain broken. And Not only has stuff started to happen for Jesus, but right after telling us about the baptism and wilderness events, Mark says, now after John was arrested, oh, what happened to John? After that happened, Jesus came to Galilee. I think maybe maybe this was the thing, John being arrested, that just made Jesus feel like enough is enough. The part of my life when I kept my head down and worked hard and listened carefully on the Sabbath, it's done. I'm done. I'm done being passive. I'm done being silent. It's time. It's time for me to move on from preparing to acting, from hoping change will probably happen someday to working within hope for the change I long to see. It is time. Mark tells us, after John was arrested, Jesus came to Galilee proclaiming the good news of God and saying, The time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God has come near. This is the thesis statement for the whole gospel. If we understand what Jesus is doing, 
And why he says what he says here? Everything else Mark writes can be brought to these verses, and they'll make more sense. The time is fulfilled. Jesus is saying, it's go time. Enough is enough. The law, sin, death, hate, this Roman occupation, marginalizing people based on nothing real, illness, demonic possession, enough. Now is the time for me to proclaim something else. Mark starts his gospel with the beginning of the good news of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Well, this is the good news, that the law, sin, death, and hate are on their way out now. The time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God has come near. Now, the thing is, Jesus doesn't only say this this to whoever will listen then, 2,000 years ago. Those in the faith of Jesus, like us, His church, we know this good news pertains to us in 2021, today. Now, we're not suffering today from Roman occupation. Demons isn't how we talk about evil personified. Sin, death, and hate express themselves a little differently now than they did then. I mean, they all fall in the same ancient categories, lust, greed, envy, wrath, etc., But those ancient categories do have modern expressions, online porn, tax rates that are lower for wealthy people than for working poor, mass incarceration of only one segment of people. Into our version of law, sin, death, and hate, as much as Galilee's then, Jesus says, the time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God has come near. This is the good news. So, repent. Believe in the good news, Jesus says. And this is where I need to say a little more about repent. In Luke, John the baptizer yells at everybody, famously, you brood of vipers, bear fruit worthy of repentance. Repent sounds like a condemnation. During Lent, I think the church uses the word repent kind of like a word of con- condemnation too. The, the church calls on everybody to repent, and we typically encourage people to consider stopping a habit that takes them away from God. Again, the command to repent feels like it should be done while wagging your finger in someone's face, right? Repent. But Jesus is proclaiming the good news. I mean, think of the mood you would be in if you were about to tell someone the best news ever. We're going to Disney World. I won a million dollars. She made it through the surgery. Like, that's not how you'd say those things, right? Jesus just said, it's time. The kingdom of God has come near. The mood here would be uplifting, exciting. What a relief. Wow. Yay kind of stuff. So, would Jesus turn on a dime here? The kingdom of God has come near. Repent. No. I think we need to know more about the word repent. What if repent isn't a condemnation, but instead an invitation? The kingdom of God has come near. Repent. That is, turn my way. 
Away from the distracting junk that pulls you down into sin, death, and the power of the devil. Turn away from greed and envy and lust and all the stuff that shrinks your soul, hardens your heart, embitters you. Repent. Turn away from all the noise and sadness. Embrace the joy, the peace, the mercy that Jesus proclaims is true. And here's the grace upon grace, the good news about this good news. Jesus doesn't ask anyone to repent, to turn away from all the temptations, all the comfortable sins we're just used to. Jesus doesn't ask anyone to follow him alone. This is such a big deal. This is the main point I want you to hear today. So often each of us thinks of ourselves as though I am on my own. The Footprints poem is a great illustration of how each of us individuates our faith lives. And I have nothing against the Footprints poem. When you saw only one set of footprints in the sand, this is when I carried you. You might know this poem. And the you there is singular. And of course, there are times that it is comforting to think my faith is about me and my brother Jesus, that Jesus knows me in particular. But that individual, individualized relationship is not how Jesus talks about faith, like anywhere. The good news about the good news is that Jesus doesn't ask anyone to follow him alone. I'm not on my own. Jesus doesn't just call me or just you, singular. Jesus says, the kingdom of God has come near. Repent, plural imperative. <laughs> See, this is where grammar comes in handy, right? Plural imperative. Repent here when you look at the Greek word metanoia is spoken toward you, plural. Repent, use. Remember, I'm from the Northwoods. Repent, y'all, or whatever you want to say to make you plural. It's not just Jason, repent. It's First Lutheran, you are invited. On Alaska, you are invited. United States, human race... You are all invited to turn away from all the dying death habits you have that pull you away from each other, from God, and from creation itself. The time has come. The kingdom of God has come near. Turn and follow me. Believe in the good news. Then what? What does a son of God do? after he's proclaimed the greatest truth that's ever been stated in the history of the world. It's kind of a mic drop moment, so then what do you do? The kingdom of God has come near. Well, he does what God always does. God forms a community to live in love, in faith, in grace. Jesus knows that God's grace, mercy, love, peace, and joy cannot be expressed by any individual all by themselves. The fruit of the Spirit can only be shown through community. So Jesus calls two people, Andrew and Simon, and then two more, James and John. They certainly all knew each other already, probably their whole lives. They probably knew Jesus his whole life. And today was the day when the time had come to proclaim the best news ever. Good news that together they could live into, not easily or simply or instantly, but good news that could change their lives from a daily march toward death to a daily expression of life. 
Life in the grace of God. That's what First Lutheran is. A community of individuals, none of whom could possibly express God's love or mercy on their own. Instead, we show God's mercy in the ways we give, in the ways we care for each other, in the ways we share our lives with each other. This week, this whole month, our stewardship campaign has lifted up this theme, how we hope to change lives through faith formation. And I've stated each and every week that we believe faith is formed through the power of the Holy Spirit through relationships. And then we've stated these three big ideas we have to cultivate relationship building among us at first. We want to make sure that Sugar Creek Bible Camp survives this pandemic, and so we want to give them a big $25,000 gift. And we want to set aside $10,000 so that the church can offset some of the costs associated with kids going to camp and parents maybe taking a retreat and elders going to Well, our owls go a lot of places. And this week, we're talking about wanting to hire a full-time faith formation director who would organize all the many efforts we want to make to, to be a community more deeply than we are now. And as our community grows deeper, we will show God's love more clearly in the ways that we're generous with each other, in the ways that we're kind with each other, intergenerationally, across cultural boundaries that everywhere else constrict who we're told we should care for and who we should hang around. First Lutheran's trying to heed this invitation from Jesus to repent, to turn away from partisan lives rooted in cynical mistrust and all those efforts we too often make to keep ourselves comfortable rather than faithful. It's an exciting time to be our church. In fact, I'd go so far as to say The time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe in the good news. Thanks be to God. Amen.